Chapter 5. Threat. So, wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me see if I have this right. You said you're from the future? The large crowd around them all had ceased and shrank slightly, so the group had a little more space to breathe. That's right. Honestly, I'm a little shocked and scared. This is my first time here on the surface. Hope nodded, deep in thought, and then lifted to ask the foreboding question in his mind. Wait, how do you not know guidance or purity, but you know me like I'm your boyfriend? Elise rolled her eyes. That actually is a question I cannot answer. Time-space rules, you know. Hope grinned. Right, as if we all know what that is. Purity stepped forward. So, how did you get here? Time machines aren't exactly a thing yet, and we all know no form of magic can help. Love took a seat, a strange gold heart-shaped locket dangling around her neck. The only thing I can remember is lying down in my room, and I was woken abruptly by this voice and cast off here with a mission. Guidance was in full attention mode now, hands on the table, leaning forward. Uh-huh. So this voice told you to travel here, to the past? Love nodded. Yeah, that's right. The silence flooding it through the air halted activity in the mall, and then it, Hope finally noticed. Guys, shh, quiet down. Everyone turned to look as he, as the big screen overhead flickered red and black with static before turning into a figure warped with a purple and orange raven mask. This is not a drill nor an emergency. People and monsters of this world, the voice boomed. Hope stood up and put one hand on his sword for defense. I am here to put an end to your squabbling and destroy this treaty nonsense. For too long have we meddled in the affairs of others' lives, and I am prepared to end all that now. The figure took a brief pause and then continued. Surrender to me, King Asgore, representative of the monsters, and I shall spare the lucky one who does from the carnage I shall ensue upon this city. The screen flickered once more and then shut off completely. The once cold and icy aura of the Premier Mall was now warm and tropical once again. Hope sighed, sheathed his sword, and then turned to the rest of his family in love. I think we should skip our next destination and start home, ASAP. Agreed? Guidance and Purity both nodded. Yeah, time to go, Purity replied, grabbing her bag and pulling out a glowing yellow hammer and sickle. Despair leaned back to admire his work and to inspect the unconscious guards and radio workers. Well, that felt good for a change. Hatred rolled up their gloves. Yeah. But next time, try not to kill so many people. This is a kid's book, remember? Despair turned to stare at Hatred as if they had two heads. I'm sorry? What fantasy are you living in? Hatred shrugged. Dunno. But we should get out of here before someone smart enough traces the message. Despair's eyes narrowed. Trace? Hatred sighed, then grabbed Despair by the hand and yanked him out of his seat. Apparently you've been gone from this world for too long. And for God's sakes, Hatred grabbed Despair's raven mask and stamped on it, crushing it into pieces. Get rid of the mask. You want to get caught? Despair twisted free and stormed ahead, his now flowing, illuminated armor glowing and pulsing off of his jacket. He walked forward and grabbed a now waking guard. What? Hey, who? Oh no, not you, anyone but you! Hatred stopped, then turned back. Why are you torturing him? Despair smiled through his jagged teeth. Hatred, this guard is not afraid of anyone here. Not even me. No, it is the truth that frightens him so. Despair lifted the weakened guard off the floor and then drained him of his soul essence. He knows this world has already lost. 
The spare turned around to glare down the hallway, his black and pink fiery armor stretching further down his back. And we have yet begun to fight. Back at the apartment, Hope and Guidance sat at the table, inspecting old manuscripts from a private collection in his room. This figure was wearing something like a raven's mask, gold, orange, and purple. Miggy, have you ever seen something like that? Guidance shook his head. Must be new as in this year. Love took her shot at the drawings and stopped in the light. Does any of this look familiar, Guidance? Guidance leaned over a drawing of a very old prophecy, detailing seven wizards banishing a human wearing the same mask. That's... No, it couldn't be. Hope looked at the figure, and his heart practically stopped. That's not it. This is a different person. It must be. Love looked around, concerned. Whoa, whoa. You two seem to know that person really well. Who is he? Hope looked up, a figurative fire in his eyes. Despair. A cursed soul and my arch-rival. Hope rolled up the stroll and then stormed into his room, slamming the door shut. Guidance sighed. Hope... Well, he's had some bad history with despair. He fought alongside, though not depicted, the seven wizards here. Love looked down. Wait, really? Guidance nodded. Yeah. Apparently, Hope was the guy who sealed the deal. The seven wizards were just there to deliver the package, like they always do. Unfortunately, they cut Hope out of the scroll because apparently his dad ended up passing away before the time came. Oh. And Love looked down at the magical group of humans. Whoa, wait. There are wizards here? Guidance grinned. We don't have time to explain. Let's go get Hope and let's start stopping these evildoers from killing the king. Come on! Part 2. 17 hours until the war between humans and monsters. Entry 2. Hey, can I ask you a question? Not I, but my master will give you a favorable answer. Okay. So, why me? You find that praise is not enough from others and you now seek my own? Well, it's not that. It's just, well, why am I doing this? Ask no more questions, fool. You understand the mission well enough to survive. Valid point. But what happens if they escape? What then? They cannot. I have lived long enough to fortify and maybe permanently contain that idiot. Fine. I just hope you know what you're doing, jerk. End script number 120A43. Chapter 6. Underground. See, deep beneath our world, something began to stir. It was skeletal with long, visible ribs and bones. Its singular, vacant eye drifted around the cave it inhabited. It slowly put forth one wiry, thin arm, and then another, and another, and another. It continued up and out into the blinding snow, where it hissed. From your perspective, its hiss would hurt and even damage your ears permanently. The thing continued to traverse the snowy tundra, delving deeper and deeper. Now, as many of you may know, our world is a host to many of the most beautiful secrets and locations known to people, a crown jewel of our solar system. However, there is one of which no person has ever discovered yet, the underground. A network of caves divided by habitat, sunlight, and life forms. And yet, it thrives. Divided by five segments, these are the realms of the caves. Overgrown host of vines and streams, and purplish walls and bricks. The forest, a snowy, peaceful environment of safety, and perhaps the most safe of all. 
the waterfall, a land surrounded by mystery, secrets, and as the name suggests, waterfalls. Hotland, a blistering magma lake, with although unstable rock spires, many precious minerals and electricity. And the true caves, with many precious minerals and gemstones, which would soon become the biggest and most fulfilling of the five. These five realms have been the source of magic on Earth for too long to recall. They did not always exist, true, but little by little they expanded, forming to each their own a unique and splendorous ecosystem. But soon, this jewel of our world would no longer be a secret, for deep within the waterfall, something has awakened from its slumber, and this something will forever haunt the dreams of our unfortunate protagonists. Chapter 7 Despair Ten yards from the electrical plant for the city, despair and hatred crouched on a building nearby, observing the routines of the guards. All right, stay here and I will convince them of letting me through. Hatred rolled their eyes. I don't think your powers are that. Despair turned, his armor now more lifelike than faint glow. Do not forget who's in charge here, Alex. Despair jumped down to greet the two guards out front, and hatred watched with glee. But Despair wore a cool expression on his face, and his now more tamed hair brushed coolly in the breeze. He strode forward and stepped up to the guards. Gentlemen, the two guards lowered their gaze to meet the child before them. I will require escorts to the main generator. Despair snapped his fingers and then slammed his hands together. Black smoke poured out from behind and possessed the guards. They struggled at first, but soon got up again, their eyes black and pink like Despair's armor. His armor now extended, turning his boots into full wearable armor in the real world. Despair walked forward and observed the handiwork of the gate which loomed before him. Despair grimaced, then transformed his right hand into a jagged knife and sliced straight and true through, like a hot knife through butter. For as long as he can remember, James Davidson has loved the cold, the nice tingling, the frost, and the cool atmosphere. But most importantly, he loves skiing. His wife used to do it all the time before she passed. Now, during the summer, James is worshipped like a god for his AC and plumbing talents. But during the winter, his job fades a bit, and he comfortably dreams and plans to visit the slopes of New Zealand. Unfortunately, this is a trip that he will not live to see. For as fate would have it, James turned to be greeted by two guards, each with their guns out. James turned from his delicate work and stared in confusion. Can I help you, gentlemen? The guards looked to each other, then pointed their guns at the frightened repairman. If you would hold still, one guard said without a tone, then we would greatly benefit from your sacrifice. James tried to back up, but he was too slow, and thus he was met with his final rest. His hand struck a small puddle with a slap, and his breathing ceased. The guard stepped over the body and continued towards the main generator. Despair strode forward into the room, and upon seeing the body, he became very angry. He marched toward the two control guards, and he sliced off both their heads, stealing their essences. If they had an ounce of intelligence in them, they would have known to keep him alive for my harvesting. Those fools will burn in Hades for what they've done. Despair inspected the massive tower of wires and gears with glowing lines and cases everywhere. He walked over coolly to a control panel with labels he couldn't read. Perhaps he really had been gone for too long. Despair flicked off one of the levers, and surprisingly, that did the trick. 
The lights dimmed low, and everywhere in the city, lights and power were shutting off. Panic ensued, and despair smiled and laughed when he heard the screams from outside. Laughter is always very good. For me, at least. Despair fed off their fears and screams, absorbing more and more, until finally, when the doors to the outside blew off, hatred was met with a nightmare. Hatred sighed, rolling over on their back and staring up at the starry night sky. They had sent Despair in to prove if he was good enough or not, and now he had not returned for several minutes. Either he was taking his sweet time, or he was dead. But as these thoughts wafted through the air, gripping onto hatred, all the lights in the city popped like a balloon. People began panicking, running in the street, and Hatred, though scared, knew that Despair had succeeded. They turned, to see the, they turned around to see the electrical plant burst open and out stepped a child. But this was a child dressed in a villainous black and pink armor with spiked boots and pads and a long and bit-up glaive in one hand. Despair, at long last, had regained his power. And all that stood in their way of the treaty now was hope, guidance, purity, and love. But despair nor hatred knew about them, so our protagonists were safe, but only momentarily. Despair slowly hefted his glaive, running a finger along the smooth, patterned face of the blade. It's been too long, old friend. You may not be a scythe anymore, Despair said, as he pulled down his hood, which covered and gave his void too, and his void-like face to fiery pink eyes. But let's get some reaping done around here. Hatred slightly quivered from what they might have done, but nonetheless, they followed Hatred from a safe distance. Chapter 8. Kings. Meanwhile, across the city, at the UN, a group meeting was being held to decide what the committee would do about the chaos. My king, the people want you dead. We should leave. The U.S. military commander nodded in unison. I couldn't agree more. As here on the council, we support and have no fault with you. But please, go in peace before you and your subjects are crushed. Asgore, a very tall, armored goat man, shook his head, his beard waving back and forth. No. I will stay for the treaty signing. No war shall separate me from keeping my people safe. The council looked to one another and then smiled. It's nice to see that you haven't changed at all, Asgore. Very well. We shall move the treaty signing to tomorrow at dawn, where we shall throw a splendorous gala in celebration. Everyone seemed to enjoy this idea, and they took great delight in signing the direct copy that night. They would then sign and announce a fake for tomorrow, for fear that someone might sabotage their efforts. Asgore knew what had to be done, and yet he was caution personified. He had already planned an escape tunnel, through the tunnels beneath the city, and out to the fields beyond. All that was left was to wait and watch. Guidance paced nervously around the room, plotting and considering their next steps. Elise was inching closer to Hope, her eyes wide with curiosity and wonder. Purity was on her laptop, researching any information from history to see if that would help, when Guidance looked to the window to see the madness unfolding. Oh my god. Purity sat up with a jolt and darted to the window. Hope sat up, wearily and blinking, and in the eyes of love. Listen, as much as I'd like to be in this position right now, I gotta save people. Hope grabbed his sword and ran to the door, instead heading out into the street. Love stared at Guidance and Purity for just a second, and then ran off after Hope, her hair tossing wildly about. Guidance looked down and saw the two running toward the crowd. Ruby, should we go after him? Purity sighed, and her shoulders fell. Nah, let them sort out who the real villain is. We, however, need to save the king before he gets killed, or worse. Guidance looked down, confused. Worse than death? 
Purity glared at him and then ran toward the door. Come on! They both ran out, and Guidance turned one last time to see Hope spreading far ahead, his love toward the east. He sighed. Please don't die, Ollie. Please. Hope shot forward like a bullet from a gun, a tracker in hand. Since he had learned of Despair's dreaded return, he had constructed a tractor using parts from his old clocks and a fragment in essence of Despair from long ago. But as he ran, he stopped to let someone catch up. Completely winded, Love made her way over to Hope, gasping for air. Man, you're in better shape than you are in the future. Hope helped her to her feet and continued running. But upon rounding the corner, he was met with a harrowing sight. Good news, he found Despair. Bad news, Despair was strangling the wizards. Each was struggling to break their bonds, and in the center stood Despair, power flaming and growing from his armor and helmet. He stared across the field of, at Hope, tilting his head to one side. Ah, there you are. Despair looked up to the wizard's leader and smiled. You, my purple friend, are of no more need. He tossed all the wizards aside, each landing unharmed into the buildings nearby. Despair surged forward, swing his glaive about, and then bring it into a lance position. Love backed up, summoning a bone staff into her hand for protection. Hope, however, charged, drawing his shield and slamming into the glaive. The bang threw Hope backward, hitting the ground, and Despair staggered backward uncontrollably. There is no way. My power far exceeds your own, and yet you almost shattered my arm. How? Hope grinned from behind his sword and shield. You see, Despair, we on Earth have a little something called leverage and timing. Very handy if you know how to use them right. Despair charged forward again, and Hope instead drew his rapier. And the blades met, clashing with a burst of light. Also, I meant rapier. Yeah, forget it. But Hope's blade had changed, taking on the form of a broadsword blade. Hope pulled down his goggles and tucked up his scarf, and the sparks flew as both pushed for power and justice. Love turned on to see how the UN was doing, but smoke was rising from overhead. No. I'm too late. Chapter 9. Guidance. Guidance and Purity shoved through the crowd, Purity on Guidance's back, and the two stepped through the back of the building and started looking for the central room. They ran and searched everywhere, until finally, they were met with a strange sight. Hatred, holding the king and the president hostage, and swing about a giant jagged blade. I'll ask only one more time, where are the papers? Guidance kicked through the doors, his hands glowing sea green, and he blasted Hatred back with all his might. Actually, he blasted Alex back. About 300 yards. Purity helped the injured king and the president to their feet. Are you alright? She asked. King Asgore nodded. I must attend to my people before they are hurt. Thank you, Mr. President. The president beamed. If you are to ever return, you will be welcomed warmly, Asgore. Now go forth and aid your subjects. Asgore beamed and summoned his red spear into his hand. That's right, both of you. Guidance, get that, get that rubble away. It will not hold hatred for long. Guidance nodded, and after checking to make sure everyone else was safe, he sprinted after Asgore and Purity. Guidance caught up with the group and started to scan the hallways for an exit. King, there should be a- No need, boy. I'll make one. Guidance and Purity stared at Asgore, shocked. Asgore had stepped back and was aiming for the window and the giant crowd of people below. No, 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 what? Was all Purity could say, but Asgore leapt forth and crashed out the window toward the crowd. Guidance gave for a second and then jumped out the window, brandishing his mirror dagger. He cut through the air, forming a portal. 
If I am to die, he fell through and the slit closed up. Guidance then reappeared behind the crowd, blasting everyone back. Then let it be with honor! Parody jumped down using an armored human to break her fall, and she pulled forth her glowing hammer and sickle. You had to go over dramatic, huh? She pounded through the fight and tossed people twice her size yards away. Guidance wondered how it felt to fight against his people, but suddenly the earth began to shake violently, throwing everyone off guard. Asgore was in the middle of parrying an overhead attack when he staggered and then got to his feet and started for the mountain nearby. People slowly realized and saw this retreat and they gave chase, leaving Guidance and Purity behind. Guidance ran to help his little sister. Are you alright? Purity had blood dripping down her nose and a scratch on her arm. I'm still good enough to walk. Let's go, quickly. Guidance pursed his lips at this, but continued anyways. They had only minutes until the great prophecy was fulfilled at this point. Asgore was running out of room to work. He and his fellow monsters had been pushed back to the brink of the city and the sun was beginning to rise. He saw something in the distance, like a white and black figure battling atop a building, but he dismissed the notion and continued running with his personal guards. They had to escape to Mount Ebbet, and only there would they be truly safe, forever. But the humans were armed and trained well. They surged around walls, through buildings, and destroyed monsters left and right. Asgore was hurt to see as many people suffer and die, but he continued without hesitation. The remaining monsters followed, afraid and scared for their lives. This would be a day to remember, as everyone, one way or another, would suffer the consequences of war. Back on the road, the president sat, holding the neatly folded treaty in his hand. Yes, friends, the task has been done. The people are chasing away our friend. No matter, we can work around this. No, of course I will miss him. He was a brother to me. Yes. Goodbye. The president hung up and looked out the window at the burning city. He sighed and then turned to the treaty over in his hand. He would miss the Dreamer family dearly. They had provided him with many a great service. He would need to find a way to repay their kindness by tenfold. But not now. Not while the people fought. This was not his time to act. Not yet.